Welcome to Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with researcher, author, lecturer, counselor, and coach, Jeff Schott. Jeff has written Influential Parenting, a comprehensive program designed to help parents become important influencers in guiding their kids to success. He also wrote the book, Going, Going, Gone, about kids departing the faith they were raised in. Learn more about the program and the book at revivefamily.com. Well, this is the third week we've been on this big, really important topic, love. And I was just reflecting between the last program and this one that there was a time, I'm guessing it goes back 20 years, when the whole concept of tough love got a lot of attention and a lot of publicity. That was rather harsh, as I recall. It was, these are the rules, and follow them, or there will be consequences. Tough love. Um, love can be challenging, but it always has to be kind. It always has to be compassionate. I mean, there are rare instances where anger can be love, according to the passage in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is faithful, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not easily angered. It always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. Love is an amazingly complex topic, but it's absolutely essential to our families. And what I found from talking to adults parents in the coaching sessions with families is that many of us have adopted coping mechanisms. We've adopted these things that help us feel better about ourselves. For some, that's seeking financial success. Others, athletic success. It can be fitness, nutrition, even helping others can be driven by the need to feel better about ourselves. Okay. So if there's some loneliness, if there's lack of love, I can compensate by realizing success right. or saying I'm, I'm successful in these areas. Yes. Yeah, some of our greatest athletes probably became great athletes because they weren't feeling loved at home and sports gave them a sense of purpose and a sense mm-hmm. of value, a sense of being accepted and okay. And it mm-hmm. drove them to be these great athletes. But a lot of the athletes we've heard the stories are struggling. They're not fulfilled. They're not feeling right. All that success and all that wealth isn't fulfilling. Right. It, it's, it's a temporary fix. So we have to keep going back to it over and over again. And that's mm-hmm. why it gets harder later in life to get past it because we've reached our maximum financial success. Our athletic abilities are declining. Uh, you know, our waistlines are expanding no matter how little we eat. You know, all of that begins to happen mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we realize we're not happy, we're not fulfilled, that we were coping, but we weren't living. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you've written that love keeps us close, keeps a family close, and it gives us strength to stand and make good decisions. Expand on that a bit. Yes. I think when we look at the the whole concept of tough love, we believe that if we're hard on our kids— and they fear us, and they fear consequences, they will toe the line. They'll make good decisions. But what I've found is that it's when we stop trying to fix each other that when we stop trying to play God in each other's lives, the Holy Spirit, who is the one that actually authors life change, according to the Bible, 
that's when all of a sudden we can have compassion, we can trust each other, we can believe the best in each other, and we're drawn closer together. And it's this closeness in a family that gives our kids strength. If they're feeling close and connected and loved, accepted, understood at home, their need to feel loved, accepted, and connected outside the home drops exponentially. And that's what makes them vulnerable to the peer pressure, to the temptation, to all of the different things that we fear they'll get involved in. But that love and that compassion that they're getting at home, that trust, also gives them a self-confidence to deal with the world around them. Exactly. And if they're feeling positive and fulfilled at home, they don't have a vacuum that they're trying to fill out there. So it really does give us the strength to stand strong in the face of temptation, in the face of being invited to do crazy things. And I've seen it even with my 15-year-old son this last year. You know, he's got a bunch of friends that are doing marijuana because it's legal in Colorado. And he hasn't bent. And those friends have even come to him and said, will you pee in a cup so I can pass my parents' drug test? And He's like, no, and he's sharing this with us. And that's had consequences in the relationships for him, but he's feeling so connected and loved and and fulfilled here at home. He right. doesn't have to get it with them. So Typically, he, kids would keep that from their parents. They wouldn't right. share that. Right. Or they might just start doing the marijuana. Right. Right. But it's part of that they secret came life to they him live. because they literally were saying, you're the only kid we know in our friend group who's not doing drugs. So will you be in the cup for us? Now, the interesting thing is that kid was just two weeks off of being grounded for, th- for three months for doing marijuana. And two weeks later, he's asking to pee in the cup. And here's my son not doing marijuana and saying no to peeing in the cup because he's feeling loved. And it gave him the strength to stand against his friend group. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, in all the research you've done on the topic of love and all the application you've made of what you've uh, come up with, I know that one of the topics you touched on was the big Harvard study that went over multiple generations. Yeah, Harvard. Some gems from that study, I know. Oh, it's amazing. I think Harvard did this study that lasted 75 years. It had to be passed from one researcher to the other, and they were tracking the same people. And it was fascinating because it did span multiple generations. And this is what they concluded. The biggest predictor of happiness, health, and overall fulfillment in life is basically love. 75-year study. Feeling valued, respected, accepted, honored. Without love, people aren't fulfilled. You try and fulfill your life with all sorts of things, toys, success, all the things we talked about earlier. But in the end, we all end up sitting there saying, is that all there is? If we're not in a truly loving, caring family. What did the Harvard people find on the flip side of that? So if you weren't in a loving situation and you weren't feeling a happiness, you're lonely, I suppose, or you're sad a lot of the time. Yeah, that's what they found is that the people that weren't feeling loved, weren't feeling fulfilled, were often feeling lonely. And that led to negative negativity, poor health, um, decreased longevity. 
as much as eight years from not mm. being loved. It it was amazing how clear this study was. And on our site, there's a blog on this topic. Uh, it's it's also in a, the third part of the series, and you can pick up the link out of that blog and go read the study for yourself because there's much more contained within it. But love is what leads to fulfillment in life. And so if it's breaking down in your home, it's time to take it seriously and take some proactive steps. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you discovered too in the research that uh, as the researchers looked at this, love tends to enhance itself. It grows in that family situation. I think they even use the term spiral. There's a spiraling effect. Right. Um, yeah. In, in an article called 10 Research-Based Truths About People in Love, they found this. That if we focus on love, we can enhance it. When we deliberately focus on our our attention, on our feelings and actions towards a loved one, we begin a positive reciprocal spiral of mutual appreciation and happiness. In other words, when we begin to consciously garnish feelings of love, for our partner, our our spouse, or our kid, or we begin to take actions that communicate love towards that, they inherently begin to do the same thing back to us. Mm-hmm. And we can we can actually begin to fuel an environmental love in our homes. It's a demonstration of you get what you give. Yeah, we we talk about it garbage in, garbage out. We talk about that same cycle in so many different ways, right? But we often aren't conscious of it in our family culture, our the DNA of what's going on. Because in my research, I found the opposite is often true. That we can get into a negative spiral that causes us to feel less and less loved, less and less connected. It's why the kids end up saying there were four individuals living under one roof because what I found in these homes from doing all this research and all of this coaching of families is that oftentimes we as parents get focused on our kids' weaknesses, on their shortcomings, and we're constantly trying to get correct those things. And that then leads to this negative reciprocal relationship cycle where they get hurt, they get defensive, they react, they start to push back, they stop doing what we ask them to do, they resist when we ask them to do the dishes. And so we get more frustrated, we come down on that more, and we get into this negative spiral where love just evaporates in our homes, into thin air. I'm thinking back to a song that made a big impression on me the very first time I heard it. I heard it first as a kid. It's been recorded many times, originally recorded in 1948 by Nat King Cole, written by a man named uh, Eden Abe. One of the lines in this song called Nature Boy is, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. I always thought that had a very strong spiritual connection. The research from Harvard supports this. Supports this. Yeah. Um, I think the Bible supports this. And so what are the things we can do to reverse the cycle? If you know in your home you're stuck in a negative spiral right now that's 
pulling people apart in your home as opposed to drawing them together. You're losing the heart connection, the emotional connection with each other. What can you do? Well, this article also found some answers. Researchers found that small, non-romantic gestures, like someone showing compassion, acts of kindness, or snuggling with a child, top the list of what makes people feel loved. So this is where we have to be proactive, where love is a commitment, where we may not be feeling like we love our kids right now or our spouse right now, but we've got to take that act that out of commitment, out of love, to begin to do these things, to reverse that, to take the negative cycle and turn it into the positive reciprocal cycle mm-hmm. the research found is completely possible within a marriage, within a family. Small non-romantic gestures can make people feel loved. Like, can I help you with that? Yeah. Just basic. Showing compassion. Yeah. Gentleness, patience. Right. Acts of kindness, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the other day I was in the kitchen and um, my wife was at work and I dropped the cookie jar lid and it broke on the counter i only dropped it from about three inches up so it shouldn't have broken but um you know instead of letting my wife home come home and discover that i picked up the phone said hey hon i just want you to know i blew it your cookie jar is broken and she goes what happened and i told her and she goes you know what there was already a crack in the top by the handle oh is that why it broke so easy and you know she came home and i had cleaned it up and and you know in that, she felt valued. She felt like I was open and honest. And it's amazing how much communication. I hope you had coffee and cookies together. Lead to love. <laughs> well, the cookies kind of got filled with some shards, you know, so the cookies are gone. <laughs> the topic is love. You're listening to Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. More in a moment. Hey, at times, we as parents all have questions. Even I have questions. That's why I do a lot of this research. And I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your questions that you would like us to address on air. If you go to revivefamily.com forward slash radio, that's revivefamily.com forward slash radio, right there at the beginning of the page is a place you can submit a question. We won't use your name on air unless you want us to. It's entirely confidential. But we would love to address the issues you would like us to on this radio program and podcast. Thank you. We appreciate your help. Families have issues. There are times when stress levels intensify. You don't know where to turn for help. You want relief, but old parenting techniques aren't working. Where do you find answers? Where can you find relief? You're desperate for new ideas and new insights. Start by visiting revivefamily.com. That's where you'll find resources developed by researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott. Some families struggle with a lack of communication, defiant behavior, and anger issues. The list goes on with bullying, seeming lack of motivation, and withdrawal. Any of those sound familiar? All produce stress, and all are family challenges that do have answers. Visit revivefamily.com to find audio CDs, DVDs, and Jeff's book, Influential Parenting. Revivefamily.com is where you'll find relief from the stresses of parenting. Visit revivefamily.com on your way to becoming a wiser, better parent. Are you concerned about your kids and looking for hope? 
researcher, counselor, and parenting coach Jeff Schott has a brave new approach that is dramatically changing the lives of kids and parents for the better. The program is called Influential Parenting, and it targets the root of motivation and behavior issues rather than whacking away at behavior that leads to conflict. The program is available in an online class, on an audio CD, or DVD. Get Influential Parenting today at revivefamily.com slash radio. Welcome back to Revive Family Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. The topic is love. And we have talked a number of times about how you and Dee Dee in your home flip the whole concept of controlling as parents rules and regulations with punishment and penalty. You flipped it on its head. Let's talk a bit about that controlling mentality, that controlling parenting style. It's not very loving, is it? No. Um, in fact, in that study we were talking about that talked about small non-romantic gestures uh, led to people feeling loved, um, they also found this. Participants agreed on what does not make people feel loved. Behaviors that could be seen as controlling were ranked among the least loving actions. It seems that controlling or pre- uh, possessive behaviors are the ones people do not feel loved by, according to Hashimati, which who's the study uh, leader in this study. If someone wants to know where you are at all times or acts controlling, those are not loving to us. So controlling kids makes them feel unloved. This is the dilemma for parents. I mean, we feel our job is to protect our kids. And therefore, we should put in place controls to protect them. So we can actually come to believe that controlling our kids is actually love. But here's the challenge. On the inverse side from talking to the kids, they feel loved, disconnected, hurt, not trusted, not believed in. And they go seeking that love, that acceptance, that belief in other places, often leading to the very problems Mm -hmm. in their lives that the parents were trying to control to prevent. Mm -hmm. And that's the rub we face as parents. It's a huge dilemma. It undermines the love in the relationship completely. Completely. You know, and today we've made it easier than ever. We can track our kids constantly. Uh, you know, we can have a little friend finder, it's called, and, and we can track their cell phone and where they are. And we can demand that they text us every so often. And kids are texting while they're driving because of it. Because parents expect, if I text you, you have to respond right away. That way I have control and I know what you're up to. And so kids are so afraid of their parents, they're breaking the law and texting while they're driving and getting into accidents. Mm. But all of this on the kid's side of the ledger makes them feel unloved. And that's a dangerous place for them to be in a society that's all about sensual love. They can go find somewhere, Mm. some way to feel better in our crazy culture. Is there a communication breakdown in a lot of the families that you deal with? I mean, are they sharing emotions? Are they sharing goals? Uh, You know, it's fascinating. Let's say we talked about in the previous segment creating that positive reciprocal cycle of love. Once you've got that, what helps it keep going? That's what you're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And the research clearly shows two things. Sharing our deepest feelings, desires, and goals helps us stay in love. The second is building shared goals and activities. Those two mm-hmm. things help maintain love once 
we've got that positive cycle going in our mm-hmm. homes. And so, yeah, exactly. I believe the greatest weakness of American families today is the lack of emotional communication. And this can stem from two factors, from the fact that we're so busy and we have so many things going on and so many activities, we focus on what's next, what needs to get done, the responsibilities. We're talking about tasks and performance constantly, and we're not sharing feelings. We're not getting deep with each other. We stay on the surface as a result. Mm -hmm. The other possibility is that we grew up in homes that didn't value, seek to draw out, listen to, care, or may have even actually been negative about sharing feelings. And as a result, we as kids learn to stuff our feelings. And what I've found is I'm talking to so many adults today that don't know how to share their feelings. They can't identify them. They can identify anger and frustration. They can identify hurt and pain, but they can't identify. They don't go deeper. They they can't find, they can literally not share or identify the other feelings, which then makes it impossible for them to share deeply with their kids and help their kids learn how to share deeply with them. And we're going to have an entire radio program and podcast on discovering our feelings because of this coming up, but it's absolutely essential in a family to keep that love going, that we share our deepest feelings, our deepest desires and goals. And the sad part I see in homes is that this doesn't happen with kids. We don't draw out our kids' deepest feelings, desires, and goals because we've we know the right answers for them. We have the wisdom. We have the knowledge. We Here are the performance hoops you need to hit to be successful. And so we never even go there with our kids. Hmm. Is it any wonder they end up not feeling loved? Well, I'm sure that kids want to be in on things, and as we've discussed in some previous programs, that that's one of the biggest motivational factors, even in the world of business, that employees are in on things, that the boss doesn't just drop Here's what's going to happen next week on them with no input. Kids want to be in on it. They want to open up. They want to share their goals and feelings and where they think the family should go. Uh, I remember a family down the street from us when we were growing up. We typically did Western vacations from the Midwest. We came to Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico, etc. We just love that part of the world. But this family would go in a different direction every year. And the kids would research it for a month in advance, saying, this is where we want to go, and these are the things we want to learn more about. Great idea. idea. Great idea. I know some of the parents are sitting here going, wait a minute, my kids don't want to share their deepest feelings and emotions with me. I I ask them questions, and I'm lucky to get a one-word answer. Um, That's a really good indication that we've gotten into that negative relationship cycle, that the kids aren't feeling safe. They don't trust that their parents will listen and hear them without reacting or judging or or lecturing them. And so they've shut down that communication with their parents. So a big answer to that is becoming intentional with love, those non-romantic gestures that we talked about earlier, and beginning that positive love cycle, and also checking ourselves. Why are we getting frustrated? Why are we... Mm-hmm. <laughs> responding the way we are and shutting down their interest, their desire, their willingness to open up to us. I know that you wrote um, that it's vital developing the shared goals and activities 
Do you advise families to say, once a week, you should do this if you want this family to thrive and grow? I've found scheduled things in our crazy world doesn't work too well, but it needs to be something that we check in as a couple every once in a while. Have we talked with our kids recently about their goals, about activities they'd like to do with us? Because in our world, we tend to put our kids in activities so they're busy, and we tend to have our expectations and our goals for them. But just because we have them for them doesn't mean they share them. And the research is clearly showing that shared goals and activities is what leads to love. It what maintains love. So what are the activities that your kids want to do with you? Do they share the same performance goals, same expectations that you have? If not, odds are we're starting down that negative relationship cycle we talked about. So we've got to stop and we've got to say, our kids have an opinion. Our kids are smart. Our kids are way more capable than our society leads us to believe. And we need to draw them out and draw them into the family process, the family structure, if they're going to feel loved, if we're going to have that environment that leads to sharing, openness, cooperation, a desire to serve each other. That comes from love, not from obligation. Mm-hmm. I think as parents, we can sometimes get into that crazy mindset that we can require our kids to be close to us. Sure. That doesn't work. Fatal mistake. That's it for this edition of Revive Family, Parenting in the 21st Century with Jeff Schott. We'll return soon with another program designed to help you become a wiser, more effective, more influential, more loving parent. Jeff's website is revivefamily.com. Parenting in the 21st Century is produced in association with Faith Radio. Jeff Schott is a pastoral counselor and coach. He is not a licensed health care professional. What you've heard is not a substitute for seeking professional medical or psychological support.